This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now, after a rough first playoff game, the Chicago Sky returned with a vengeance. A scare at practice yesterday when Copper went down with an apparent injury, but no restrictions, says James Wade. Offensive rebound, Mieseman, and Copper buries the three to put Chicago on the board first. The Chicago Sky take game two in historic fashion. 100 to 62 the final. The Sky beat the New York Liberty by a whopping 38 points in game two. That's a new record for a WNBA postseason victory. And in more good news, the league honored the Sky's coach and general manager, James Wade, with the Executive of the Year Award. So here to talk to us about the Sky's recent successes is WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout. Hey, Cheryl. Good morning, Sasha. Also here is Sky Beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, Annie Costabile. Welcome to Reset, Annie. Thanks so much for having me. Cheryl, the, the Sky looked unstoppable this past weekend. So can you just break down for us why they were able to just so handily beat the Liberty after that game one loss? This is a team that knows how to do it when their back's against the wall. And what they did was apply their defense. When Kalia Copper was put on Sabrina Ionescu, that was able to stop what they do well as far as the Liberty. And so with that in mind, they were also controlling the paint and stopping the perimeter shooting. So it was a really defensive effort, which allowed them to score points, which is their mantra. Mm-hmm. Annie, you've been following closely as uh, the teams prepared for the playoffs. So tell us, what did you hear from Sky players and coaches about what they felt they needed to do to respond to that game one upset and then how they all pulled it together? Yeah, I mean, I think Cheryl made excellent points and how they got it done on the court. But mentally, game one was a wake-up call, and, and they talked about that after their game two victory. They're the reigning champs. They're, James Wade put together a team that could compete for back-to-back titles. To lose game one on their home court in front of their fans was disappointing, was beyond disappointing for them. So that was the energy and, and the mentality that we saw them carry into game two and ultimately led to their historic 38-point victory over the Liberty. Did you ever get a sense, Annie, of, of a feeling of pressure? You know, just, you know, coming off of being the champs? I don't know that they folded necessarily to pressure. I don't know that, that the pressure got to them in game one, but I think, you know, again, to Cheryl's point, they respond well under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I think that game one, almost because they had the... Um, you know, the luxury of playing in a series, uh, in a sense, it, 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 they almost came out lax. And that's not what we're used to seeing from the sky in the playoffs. Again, because last season they had to make their way through two single elimination games. So I'm, I'm, I, I think from my perspective that they were spent bond well to pressure and it's almost, there wasn't enough pressure in game one that led to them kind of coming in and being a little bit too relaxed against the mercury. Yeah, Cheryl. Or again, excuse me, against the Liberty. To the Liberty, yes. Uh, Cheryl, to your point earlier that, you know, when their backs are against the wall, that's so critical to, to perform in that way, right? Imagine it was the opposite. Yeah, when you have all-stars like they do, when you have the Candace Parkers, the Emma Misema, the Courtney Vandersloots, the Ella Quigley, I, mean, I can name them all. But I thought in game one that the Liberty felt no pressure, that they were relaxed, they were playing for fun. And, and, and that's not a hard team to figure out when they're like that because they're young, they're not as experienced, and they seem to relish that moment. 
But then this, this guy realized you cannot do that a second game. And that's they took that away from them. And that's important for them to take it away tonight when they're in Brooklyn. Yeah. They've been uh, incredibly successful when facing elimination games, right? Both during their championship run right. last year, right? And, of course, the beginning of this playoff run. Why do you think they've responded in the clutch so well, Cheryl? Because they have the players, because they have a system. And as I mentioned before, their defense sets up their offense. You know, the three-point shooting has been great, but they don't have to rely on it because they do it. They pass the ball well. They do things technically so good when they are on point that that's what carries them through. And what they did, too, is they stepped on the throat of their opponent. You have to put them Mm -hmm. away. And they were able to do it. And I have to give James Wade credit because he played his bench the full fourth, pretty much the full fourth quarter. That's right. And that's important for tonight when they have to, they may have to be playing tonight at some point. Annie, there were some concerns and and confusion about uh, Kalia Copper possibly suffering an injury during game one uh, and during practice, but she looked great in game two. Do, Do you have insight as to what happened there? You know, I was at practice, so there wasn't any confusion. It, we saw what we saw. You know, okay. it's, you see a player go down with a non-contact injury, and, and that obviously is something as a journalist you have to ask the coach about afterwards. And in asking James Wade about it, he, you know, he wanted to be make it a point that Kalia Copper was fine, and and he made that point. But again, as as journalists, when you see a player go down with a non-contact injury you have to report what you see. And so ultimately leading up to that game that came into question because of what a group of us had seen earlier that day or the day prior at practice. And so, you know, coming out in in the first moment of the game and Mm -hmm. then scoring a three-pointer and then finishing the first quarter with 10 points, Kalia Copper was proven to be more than fine, but that confusion, I guess, if, if we want to use that word, just came in because what we saw was not exactly aligned with the message that we received from James Wade following practice. And, and again, you know, he has a job to do, and, and part of that job in the playoffs is is not dealing with any, you know, um, any any issues, not yeah. taking on any more than what they're already dealing with. And so, I think in his response, that was that was what he was trying to you know, relay. And ultimately, again, she ended up being more than fine and is more than fine here in Brooklyn. She's been practicing with the team mm-hmm. per usual and um, everything looks A-OK. Cheryl, anything to add there on injuries? I've seen this in any, any sport. It's called gamesmanship. And unfortunately, that Stepping was up. not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was well played, you know, at the practice. But that's what coaches do when they're in the playoffs. They don't want the other team to know any possible injury, especially to a key player. It's not. It's uncomfortable for the media to have to deal with this, but that's what happens in postseason play. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you are just joining us, we're talking about the Chicago Sky after their big playoff win against the New York Liberty. They play game three tonight, and we are chatting with WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout and beat reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times, Annie Costabile. Cheryl, the Sky received some more exciting news yesterday about James Wade, coach and and general manager. Uh, He won the Executive of the Year Award. So share more about his accomplishments this season that uh, led to this award for those of us who haven't been following closely. Right. Everything started from the beginning of the season, what he did at the beginning of the season. He was able to re-sign key players, Kalia Copper, uh, Ellie Quigley, 
Courtney Vanderstoep, they took pay reductions, but they would normally pay be paid if they were with a team that wasn't defending champions. He he was able to sign Emma Misama, who was an MVP for the NBA, WNBA Finals a few years ago. And one of the key ones that I, I really enjoyed watching her play was 31-year-old rookie, and I you know I hate using the word rookie with her anymore. Is Rebecca Gardner? She was she played at UCLA, was undrafted, played in Europe for 10 years, Sasha, and. James Wade and his wife saw her there play, and they knew that they had a diamond in the rough to bring her to Chicago, and that's a key. They made a trade. They traded a diamond to Shields to um, to Phoenix, and they acquired Julie Alamon, and they also got a, a top draft pick for next year. So those players being kept, being brought in, is one of the reasons why this team is capable of winning mm-hmm. another championship. You know, something unique, Annie, about... James Wade is that he is both the head coach and general manager of the team. Why did this guy decide to put that level of trust in someone to do both very demanding roles? Well, they've they've since the the franchise's inception, all of their coaches have served as general managers as well. So it's just something that exists in the WNBA. There are four other uh, coaches who serve as GMs as well, and it's it's something that we're seeing teams transition away from, but, but James relishes the role. He, mm. he loves being the person to construct his own team, both because from what he told me directly and in, in that he has his best interest at heart, he knows how to put a winning team on the floor, but also because then he has to take the responsibility if something goes wrong. Like he, he's someone who, you know, when, when something doesn't go according to plan, he he likes to answer for it. So if someone else is constructing the team, it takes a little bit of of that away from from him in a sense. And so yeah, this is this is a role that that he enjoys doing doing both. And he's clearly done a great job of it in the in the four years, the four seasons that he's been with the Chicago Sky. Yeah, you said teams, other teams you've, you've noticed are transitioning away from this this model. What would you say is the biggest disadvantage? I think from talking to players and James, there's there's that sense that there's no separation or, or the separation between looking at James, uh, using the sky as an example here, the players looking at James as their coach, but then the, the season ends and now this is the person you're talking business with, you're talking about your contract with, you're talking about, you know, taking a pay reduction from, you know, again, we're using Allie and, and Courtney as an example here, like, Courtney speaks about her relationship with James quite often, and it's a strong one. And you go from having this this person who's who's talking about needing X, Y, and Z from you on the court and all the contributions that you're making on the court for them and how vital you are to the team's success Mm -hmm. in, in his role as a coach. And then months later, you know, the approach is different. And that he's still valuing all of all that you provide for the team, right. but now you're you're having a conversation with him about needing to take a pay cut again in order to make the team better. But those conversations um, cross cross lines, right? And yeah. so when there's a specific person in a role as GM, you can separate that from I see. Then what you're what you're talking about on the court. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, here is a little bit of what some of the players had to say ahead of Game 3 tonight. We're ready. Uh, we're ready to play. Uh, we know what we need to do. We know how we need to do things. And I would just say, like, last year it was single elimination. So this is not new to us. Uh, this is something that we faced before. So 
we're not we're not shying away from it. We're ready and we're excited. And we're just trying to focus on what we bring. If we we know if we bring what we're capable of, you know, like last game, doesn't matter where we play. So we're really just focused on our energy and what we can bring. And we know if we do that, we're going to win the game. Those voices are Chicago Sky players Allie Quigley and Dana Evans. So the Sky once again facing elimination in tonight's game, this time on the road. Quickly, want to hear from both of you what you think the Sky needs uh, to make it through to the next round. Cheryl, you first. They have to come out with focus, defense, and wants to crush them. They <laughs> they won elimination games on the road the last two year last year. They won two of them like this. So that's what they that's their mindset has to be like that. They can't allow the Liberty to think that they can win the game. I like your emphasis on crush them, <laughs> Annie. <laughs> What do you think? I would I would agree with Cheryl and just add that their defense needs to match the same intensity and the same level of of stiflingness that it, it they exuded in game two. They need to, like Cheryl said, come out and send a message early, um, and and take away what what the Liberty likes to do. And and on the offensive end, they need another yeah, you know, even performance from their starters and their bench, and that. That is something that, you know, like Cheryl made a point of all this entire conversation, right. flows through their defense. So I think it starts and ends with their defense tonight. Go Sky. That was Sky Beat reporter for the Sun-Times, Annie Costabile, and WBEZ Sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout. Thank you both. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.